and turn to 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I knew sooner or later I was going to forget about my mute switch. It's a bit like when you're on Zoom and somebody says, you're on mute, you're on mute. And you think, yeah, I blooming well am. (laughs) Well, I was just saying thank you to Rachel for bringing our reading this morning. And uh, I just want to keep our message, our sermon this morning, super simple. Not because I don't think that you're up to deep spiritual truths, but because actually I think sometimes simplicity is the most profound, isn't it? And so I can't promise you great profundity, but what I would encourage you to do is just to really think on these simple truths throughout your week. Because when we think on the simple truths that are of God, I think he continues to just unpack them and provide us with greater revelation as our week works its way out. I guess what I'm saying is, I think the best sermons aren't necessarily the sermons where you sit there in your seat feeling like your mind is swimming in new information, so much as the sermons where you come to the end of them, and little by little, day by day, you unpack them a little more, you apply them a little more, and as you apply the word of God to your life, your life is transformed. Because that's always been God's plan. Sometimes we get confused about what the word of God is there for, I think. And we want to search out deep mysteries. And this passage talks about understanding. But I think the best understanding comes in not just our head knowledge, but our heart knowledge. You see, it's not good enough to know every detail of the word of God every great mystery within scripture being revealed week on week if you're not living any of those things out and in fact and I might upset one or two people for saying this and that's not my intention and hear me church because I'm not saying this to you I'm saying this to me as well I'm saying this to us I think we have more head knowledge than heart knowledge. We have more head knowledge than heart knowledge. We know more about who God is than our lives demonstrate. So that's my big thought for the morning. I could probably go and sit down now and this would be a good message in church, wouldn't it? A challenge to live out more of our relationship with Christ. But that's the key, isn't it? It's about our relationship with Christ. Just this week, I heard somebody saying, and actually, they were, they are, not they were, they are an internationally known pastor 
and their testimony as a pastor's kid who is now a pastor of a very large church is that for the first 15 years of their life, they heard about God weekly. The second Sunday after they were born was their first one in church and they've been in church every Sunday since. And they said it wasn't until they were 15 that they began to recognize that it was a relationship with Jesus that made you a Christian. Not just knowing the things, saying the things, but you had to have a personal relationship with God. Some of us like to take notes. I know not all of us take notes in church. I've heard that it works a bit like a fast track pass to the theme park, that if you take notes, you get into heaven quicker. Don't know if that's true. Sounds like it could be heresy. Probably is, but why take the risk? Try taking notes. But for those of you who like taking notes, here's my title for you this morning. wondered how long we would pause there. (laughs) The spirit who is from God. The spirit who is from God. And I want to just talk for a few moments this morning about the person of the Holy Spirit. First, I want to acknowledge that sometimes this gets a little bit controversial in church when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Actually, the church is an incredible place. It's an incredibly broad place in terms of the different things that we say and know about who God is. For some people, they think the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning and he was there to kick off the church with a bit of a... a bit of a boost, really, kick-starting the whole thing. And they wonder if that wasn't the purpose of the Holy Spirit. But when I've been talking to those people, they still talk about how a scripture might come to mind, something they feel really laid upon their heart to share with somebody. And that's a way that the Spirit seems to continue to move today. Then you've got another end of the spectrum who seem like perhaps they're chasing after the Spirit more than they're chasing after Jesus. And I think in the best moments, we need to remember that signs and wonders will follow those who follow Christ and recognize that the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit is calling us into a deeper relationship with Jesus, empowering us to live the way Jesus calls us to live, helping us to walk in grace more and more fully. And every now and again, something incredible happens. And I think the best theology is when we're trying to work out what God is doing or has done, rather than when we're trying to tell God what he should, can, or can't be doing. And this morning, I just want to talk really simply about the Holy Spirit, because I think sometimes when we just dig into the basics of who the person of the Holy Spirit is, when we're reminded of some simple truths, that can be the most profound because we don't need to tell God how to work and we we certainly want to observe how God does work. 
But here's just a couple of observations from this passage this morning. First, the passage starts out by saying, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. In fact, that's my sermon title this morning. The spirit who is from God. And I think we need that reminder. The spirit who is from God. You see, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. Those who are in Christ have the opportunity to welcome God into our lives. In fact, I think that's what salvation is. When we call out to God, we say, I need your gift of grace, your gift of forgiveness, your friendship, your freedom. And with that comes the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we invite God into our lives, if you've ever prayed any variation of the sinner's prayer, it goes something like this. I've sinned. I need you, Heavenly Father, to help me live the way you're calling me to live. I welcome you into my heart and I invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. Some people have got great ways of sharing this prayer. They go, one, and then they give you the first line and people repeat it back. Other people prefer something really simple. We call these things tracts and they've got great little points like... My favorite one has a heart, a little X, a cross, and a question mark. And it goes, God loves me. I have sinned. Jesus died for me. And then what is my choice? Will I choose to accept the gift of grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit? And so the Spirit of God, understanding the significance of the person of the Holy Spirit, being welcomed into the family of God, falling under the power of the Holy Spirit to live the lives that God has called us to live under his direction is an amazing thought. Because the Spirit of God is God. You see, when we invite God into our lives, and I think this is something that we continue to wrestle out and struggle with, We invite God to be the Lord of our life and he sends the counsellor to counsel us the right way to go, to advise us, to help us, to hear our cries. I think sometimes we think of counselling in more psychotherapy terms (laughs) and we think more about the counsellor being there just to, to hear all of our problems as we whine and whine and whine. And then we call it prayer and we feel slightly better about it. (laughs) Is that just me? (laughs) I see a few people smiling. It's hard to tell behind the masks. You just have to watch for their eyes to really bunch up tiny. But we need to do more than just present our requests to God. We need to learn to live God's way. And I think that's one of the great things the Holy Spirit does. He helps us live God's way. I think we need to continue to apply what we know to our lives. We need to live in the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is full of these incredible stories of people in the Old Testament being encouraged by the power of God. And I think that was the Holy Spirit at work. And he wasn't in their lives because Jesus hadn't come, hadn't saved them into his Salvation, the salvation of the cross, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being welcomed into the family of God is what I think that means, being fully 
part of Jesus' family. And because they weren't fully a part of Jesus' family, because they weren't fully embracing all of what God was, because Jesus hadn't come and died yet, they were still, the Bible is full, it's still full of these amazing stories of God on the move. Then we look at the New Testament and there is a marked change, isn't there? In the power and passion and purpose of the people of God. Three Ps, that's how you know I went to a Baptist seminary. And you see the power, purpose and passion in the people of God is remarkable because they are confronted time and again by great affliction, great hardship, and yet they have great joy in proclaiming Christ. And you see, this passage starts out by saying, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age, is something that affects us all differently. I think part of the spirit of the age in this day and age is that we are consumed by the desires of our hearts. We're consumed by this desire for personal happiness, personal fulfillment. Our joy has become our God. And that's why I think when we consider a passage like this and we think about the simplicity of this passage and apply it directly to our lives, the spirit who is from God is the spirit that we have been given through Christ. The spirit at work in our lives is the spirit of God. And that doesn't mean that we're designed to be miserable. I'm not trying to contrast here. I'm not trying to throw up some some false parallel. The spirit of the age is all about my personal happiness, what's going to make me happy. But I think the subtle difference when we come under the spirit of the power and person of God, when we are walking with the Holy Spirit in our lives, under the direction of Jesus, I think the key thing is it becomes less about my joy and it becomes more about God's joy. Less about what I want and more about what he wants. Less about what's going to suit me best and instead what's going to honour him most. Less about what can I get, what can I have, what can I build And more about what is he building? What is he going to give me as an honoured son or daughter in his house that I can use to further glorify him? And how can I extend his kingdom? And when we begin to recognise that, we can begin to recognise what it is to bring joy to the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord as believers is our strength. The joy of the Lord. And can I tell you, in my life I can give testimony to this. Nothing is more meaningful or more significant in the long run than when I find that in some small way I have managed to do something that God is pleased with. Better is One day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, we sometimes sing. And do we really believe it or do we just keep singing it? You see, this passage is talking about understanding. 
It talks about how we're freely given the spirit who is from God, and it's to help us understand words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And people can make a great big thing of this. They could say, oh, the the secret unearned mysteries of God. And you can get quite mystical. It sounds quite impressive. It's always tempting as a preacher to want to be a bit more mystical than is helpful. Because everybody tells you what a wonderful job you've done after you finish preaching when you've been really mystical. And they've been like, ooh. They feel more like they've watched a Harry Potter movie than they've been to church. <laughs> and they leave with that kind of glint in their eye like, ooh. <laughs> Secret mysteries. <laughs> but the incredible thing about this passage is these secret mysteries are revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. These spiritual truths, they're not secret mysteries, they're spiritual truths. And the challenge to us is to live with a greater measure of spiritual truth in our lives. And again, you can sell books if you start writing this stuff and you're good at spinning a yarn. Suddenly, revealing spiritual truths, you can turn into writing a book about your calling. Do you know your calling? Do you know how to find it out? How will you interpret these spiritual truths? Here are five points by the Reverend Joel Schofield. I could sell tens of thousands of books. It'd be really exciting and pointless. <laughs> And pointless. Because understanding the things of God isn't something that I can explain. The best I could do is try and explain. And the more words I use, the greater the risk of it just becoming human wisdom. Because that's when we rely on the Spirit of God. And whether you think of the Spirit as, of God as God's supernatural power at work in your life and in the lives of those that you love, whether you think of the supernatural power of God as that still small voice teaching you the right way to go, or whether you think of this, the still small voice, that, that person of God, the spirit of God at work in your life as the miracle working power of God, Or however else you think about the Spirit of God at work in your life. The key here is that this impartation is not something that we teach by human wisdom, but we interpret through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We discern things. We question things. We test them with faith. We test them with the word of God. And then we trust. The gift of faith, I think, is one of the great outworkings of the spirit of God. So often people want to see a miracle. And they think a miracle is the most amazing work of the spirit of God. But the strengthening of our faith, I think, is equally miraculous. The illumination of scripture, just as miraculous. You know, when you open your Bible and you read it, you read a passage that you've read for the hundredth or thousandth time. You open the word of God and there it is. This verse 
shouting at you from the page. This profound moment of knowing God. Perhaps it's in your quiet time as you spend time sitting with God, reflecting on his word, taking these things as the Bible talked about, the way the mother of, of Jesus did, storing them up in your heart. And then God brings something to your memory years, months, weeks later. I think that's every bit as miraculous as a miracle that you might have seen or heard about. As we begin to understand the wise folly that we heard about just a few weeks before when Shelby brought the message, wise folly that Jesus would die on a cross. You see, these things don't make sense. Why would the king of heaven and earth die for you and die for me? Every one of us who's ever seen a, a comic book movie knows that the good guy is meant to triumph. He's not meant to die first. And you see, I think the challenge to us as we practice spiritual discernment, as we begin to understand what seems like folly is actually the wisdom and purposes of God, as we begin to recognize that we don't need to rely on the, our natural understanding, but as we grow in our faith, we develop our understanding of who God is based on his word. We've got the opportunity to fully embrace God's perspective rather than our own. And I don't think we do it all in an instant. It's not one of these, you know, <laughs> and it's done. I think it's waking up daily, taking up our cross daily, choosing Jesus, choosing Jesus' ways daily. And little by little, that revelation of who God is grows. That we trust in the Lord's leading before earthly powers, even our own thoughts. We choose the Jesus way. We judge things not by our own understanding, but by the person by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And verse 16 says, For who has understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We need to stop trying to put God in a box and tell God how God needs to behave. I think God will always line up with the word of Scripture. The word of God given to us, our Bibles, when we look at that person, when we recognize God, I don't think God's had a personality shift. The God of the, the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, he's all the same guy. And so we can use the word of God to discern whether or not we think it is God. But I think we want to be led by the spirit, led in discerning, led by reading scripture and having it illuminated for us led by the still small voice of knowing God at work in our own lives, led by God as we keep trusting and hoping in him, not chasing after miracles and signs and wonders, but knowing that signs and wonders 
follow the person that is following Christ. Not chasing after some fresh revelation, but remembering that the sacred truths, the spiritual truths, are things that we discern because of the gift of God, because of the gift of salvation, because of the person of the Holy Spirit. And that we're being invited to see things the way God sees them rather than the way we do. We don't need our perspective, we need his. And actually, can I just say, this is one of the things that makes being in a Baptist church the most exciting. Because we've got the opportunity to discern the mind of Christ together. I mean, that's what we're meant to be doing when we come together. I've heard people say that the best churches in the world and the worst churches in the world are probably Baptist. Because when that goes well, it's brilliant. And when it goes wrong, it's something else entirely. But that's what we want to do. We want to be a people that are seeking to follow God, seeking to hear his voice, his leading, his truth. And actually, I think that's what all of the church wants, if I'm really honest. But we've got the opportunity to do that together, to be on mission together. And as we talked about mission just a few moments ago, this passage says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He's not understand them. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You know, the more time we spend in the light of Christ, the more time we spend under the direction of the Holy Spirit, the more the Holy Spirit works in our lives to help us understand the person and work of God, the more we begin to understand these spiritual truths. And they're not some new truths, they're not some secret mystery. It's that God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. We've done a bunch of things wrong. We continue to do a bunch of things wrong. We're going to do a bunch more things wrong, and we're trusting in the Spirit of God to lead us, but we're also trusting in the grace of Christ for when we fall short. And that's why Jesus died. And that's why we need the gift of the Holy Spirit, so that we can keep choosing to accept the gift of grace in Christ. That as we come under the cross and under the power of Christ, that we begin to understand who God is and why that matters. As we keep choosing the way of the cross, keep choosing to take up our cross and follow, the Spirit gives us strength to follow after Christ. And as I wrap up, here's just one last thought for us this morning. One last thought for us this morning. This passage says, the spiritual person judges all things. We're trying to work this out. Is another way we might interpret that. We're trying to work this out. 
And I think that's why the word of God is so important. That's why I think remembering that we're under grace is so important. That's why it's so important that we keep recognizing God. We keep making time for God. We keep having quiet times. We keep prioritizing putting God first. We keep spending time in his presence. We keep spending time seeking first the kingdom, knowing that everything else will be added to us. We keep spending time trying to work out what brings the Lord joy and how can I better walk in that. It's less about me. It's all about him. And as we do those things, as we think on those things, as we consider God's gift to us, the spirit of God, as we understand the significance of that truth, as we begin to live out a bit more of our faith, as it becomes heart knowledge, we've got the opportunity, more than that, Simply, we are welcomed into the family of God. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing. We're welcomed into the family of God. And as we consider what that means, as we come up into contact more and more with what the word of God says about how our lives should be, knowing that the spirit of God, the counselor, is there to encourage us, to guide us, to help us. That seems like a pretty amazing thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we might have heard about the Holy Spirit a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand times in church. And Lord, we thank you for the simple truths about who you are about who your spirit is. Lord, we know that we can't say everything we need to, and it's so hard to even manage to say what we need to in one sermon, let alone ten. We thank you that you are so incredible. You are so much greater than we will ever understand until we get to heaven. But we thank you that your heart is a heart of revelation, that you keep revealing yourself to us, that you've got a heart of restoration, that you keep restoring us into the people that you've called us to be, welcoming us into your family, calling us and inviting us to be a part of your mission, for your glory, for your goodness. And we thank you that we don't receive the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. We thank you that we receive your Holy Spirit, part of you, And we pray that you'd help us to trust in your goodness and grace. To walk closely in your leading. To remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength and to seek to bring you joy even before ourselves. Help us to better understand who you are and why that matters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.